0: And welcome to the Coaches View podcast, a podcast hosted by professional football coaches and analysts. For those of you who love to look at the beautiful game in microscopic detail, I'm one half of the team, Harry Brooks, and I'm joined by the other half, Richard Webster. Hello, mate. Hi, mate. How are you? You good? I'm good. A little bit of uh, sweet. The season's ended, um, but it's quite a quick turnaround. We haven't got very long until uh, the new <laughs> season starts again, uh, obviously starting the 12th of September. Hello. Yeah. Um, no, um that's what today's podcast is gonna be about. It's uh it's basically a season review, isn't it? We're gonna be doing end of season awards, we're gonna be rounding up uh today's games, we're gonna be rounding up the season, and um, go from there really. First of all, what, what do you make of the season, mate? It's been a weird one, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, uh long. <laughs> no, it's been yes. a, um it seems like it's gone on forever. And and for some teams, I mean it it kinda has. So like I was actually um I was actually just looking at some stats and and Wolves Wolves' season started on uh, actually the July the twenty fifth, so they've they've been playing. Uh, well, their season took three hundred and sixty six days. <laughs> wow, <laughs> which is incredible when you think of it. Um, and but
0: actually, yeah, actually, they're not going to have. Well, their season isn't done yet. And how's right. Well, speaking of that, actually, how's this going to work? Because they they've qualified in seventh, which could get them the Europa League yep. um, if Arsenal don't win the FA Cup and obviously they've got the Europa League to finish themselves. So if they have to start the next round of Europa League games before the next this round of Europa League games is finished, how does that work? Are they going to get are they basically going to be playing for 2 years straight?
1: <laughs> I think it could end up like that. Yeah, so I mean they still have to finish the Europa League. Obviously it's sometime in August. I'm not 100% sure of the dates. Um so they've got that to finish and they could well, you know, they could well get through there and they're a very good team. So it's, there's no reason to think they won't have uh, more games to play. And then, of course, if if Chelsea do win the cup final, then they find themselves in the Europa League again and, and they probably have to start straight away. But for all of the yeah, teams... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think for all of the teams, um, there's only going to be a three-week break anyway. But yeah, listen, you asked me about my thoughts of the season on a whole. Yeah. Um, I think it's been a long season. Obviously, it's been a bizarre season with the the break in the middle because of you know the outbreak of the pandemic and everything like that. So it was an enforced break. Uh, we've all had to deal with it. But overall, mate, I think it's been a really exciting... Um, brilliant season um, really entertaining lots and lots of talking points uh, final day drama which is what we like and um, yeah just a really interesting one to to assess and review and quickly get out of the way before the next one starts
0: I feel like it's been a bit of a transitional season in a weird way I feel like this season is almost almost been there to set up next season if that makes sense I mean obviously Liverpool were the runaway champions Man City will have to get close to next season and arguably win it but I feel like for a lot of the major clubs, the likes of Man United, Chelsea, Arsenal, Spurs. I feel like this season was like right well, you know, prepare for next season kind of thing. Um even Chelsea, obviously. Yeah, there has been had a good season, I would agree but like, with that. I feel like yeah, yeah.
1: It's um I, I agree with that. I think there's been a there's been a transitional feel about quite a few teams. I think there's a couple of things at play there. One, uh Liverpool basically smashed the league. They absolutely pulverized the rest of the competition from very early on. Um, So they won it in record time. I think they won it with, is it seven games to spare? They won it. Um, I I, I know it was a record. Um, I think just looking at the, if I just look at the stats here or the table, um, I think I'm right in saying that if we'd have stopped or if they'd have stopped um, when lockdown happened, Um, then they would have still won the league. Yeah, they would have. So when we went into lockdown, Liverpool were actually on 82 points. Um, So even if they didn't play another game, they would have won the league because Manchester City have finished on 81. So (laughs) that shows you to the extent by which Liverpool have completely dominated the league. Um, and then like you said some of the other traditional big teams so Manchester United have been um, in a transitional period Chelsea of course they had that transfer ban and and a new coach in Frank Lampard so he had to play a lot of young players this season they've been in transition uh, Tottenham the same having lost their manager you know fairly early on in the season about 14 games in and Arsenal of course um, having made a, a change too so some of those traditional teams you would think would normally be up at the top four of, have had to have a a season of taking stock and um, and Liverpool are completely dominated, but nevertheless, uh, a fantastic season with some yeah, some really interesting. But I, am, uh, I,
0: am, I am looking forward to next season though, because I do feel like for every single one of the big six sides, typically big six sides, there's no excuses next season. Next season, every single side of manager has to produce. So saying about Frank Lampard, I mean, there's no such thing as a freebie season, but he did kind of, he was allowed this season, I think, because um, obviously he was put in a situation where they lost their best player and the transfer ban. So this was a transitional season. Solskjaer, it still feels like this was the season where, OK, just get into the Champions League and next season, let's see what we can do. Obviously, Mourinho isn't going to be judged on this season. Arteta and obviously City have to get closer and um, Liverpool have to show that they can, um, you know, put up another big challenge um, for the title. and. Potentially uh, win win it two years in a row. That's that's the litmus test for a lot of people, isn't it? Um, in terms of measuring the truly great sides, if you can if you can do it two years in a row, so um, no excuses for any of the big sides next year, is there?
1: No, none at all, mate. And I think I think you make a really good point. Um, Liverpool. I mean, first of all, we have to congratulate Liverpool, and I think it's easy yes. to move on and say, oh, you know, we're really looking forward to next season. But I don't think it could be overstated. I know it seems like a long season, but. Just to the extent of the the absolute masterclass that this Liverpool team put on, um, not not just this season, last season as well. If you think over the course of the last two seasons, I think they claimed was it ninety seven points last season and uh, a ninety nine points this season. So just an incredible level of consistency that they've managed yeah. to put together over two seasons. Obviously, Champions League winners last year, um, Premier League winners this year. Uh, Club World Cup in between, but we're not going to talk about that too much. But um, just that that incredible level of consistency, uh, you know, shouldn't be shouldn't be forgotten. And I know some people are saying, oh, there's a bit of an asterisk next to it because of the break and all of that. But th- their level of play has really put pressure on the likes of uh, Pep Guardiola. Obviously, Manchester United will have to come strong again next year. Uh, Frank Lampard at Chelsea. And then Tottenham and Arsenal, you know, really have to step up their game. Otherwise they're in danger of of really falling behind because, you know, it w- what's to say that Liverpool can't um, do a third season with this level of consistency? That's not going to be easy for them to do. It's going to be tricky to maintain that level. But going on the evidence that we've seen recently, uh, there's nothing to suggest that uh, Liverpool's hunger is going to drop off anytime soon or the Klopp's... Um, you know, demanding ways and, and and ways of getting the best out of his group is going to change. So it's great. It means the rest of the league will have to get better.
0: Yep. I think they are running a risk if they don't change their squad or at least they don't freshen up and adapt it. But that's um, a, a topic for another podcast. Um, one of my favourite things about this season, I think, is the competitiveness and the direction of a lot of the, I don't want to say small, well, yes, yeah, smaller clubs that they're going in. So, for example, the likes of Southampton, Bulls. Leicester, I know they're going to be disappointed with their drop-off, but um, you know, it can't be overstated how much of a how good of a season they have had generally. Um I like that, you know, there's a lot of these smaller clubs now, or typically smaller clubs that are now obviously getting to a stage where the typically big six, if they mess up, they're gonna be punished. So, you know, Arsenal this year messed up and they've been punished. They finished eighth. Even well, Spurs yeah. messed up. Leicester finished ahead of them. So these big six sides, they can't take these um, typically smaller teams for granted, and I think they're going to be even better next year. These clubs, they're they're really well, generally speaking, they're really well run now. Um, they've got excellent coaches in place. You know, the likes of Wilder at Sheffield United, um, Santo at Wolves, and Huttel at Southampton, Angelotti at Everton. So you know, these big six clubs, they can't take these uh smaller clubs for granted, can they?
1: Certainly not. And I think it's you pointed out two of the to the really breakout. Um... Acts there would well three really Leicester City, obviously they've not long ago won the league, but still you know this is not a, not a huge football club, so for them to come fifth, they'll probably be disappointed with that well, they will be disappointed because they're yeah. in the top four for such a long time, so in the last game of the season to drop down into fifth, it'll be bitterly disappointing for them losing at, losing at home to manchester united um just couldn't get over the line they've been fairly poor since um since the uh return to football and then so Leicester, wolves. And uh, Sheffield United have been like a breath of fresh air. And, and this is, you know, we were speaking in previous podcasts about other leagues, so Serie A, Bundesliga, that type of thing. And uh, the one thing that the Premier League does have, we can dispute the quality sometimes and the style of football. You don't have to like it or whatever. But it is at least very, very competitive. So, you know, this season, I think we saw uh, Bayern Munich in Germany. I think it's eight uh, Bundesliga titles in a row. Um, Juventus are poised to make it I want to say nine but it's a ridiculous amount the Juventus have won in a row Uh, PSG obviously won the league again Um, you know those leagues run the risk of becoming well they're they're already repetitive whereas you know in the Premier League here we're very fortunate that you know if we were sitting and talk about who's going to win the league next season well we can have a legitimate argument about potentially three or four teams certainly yeah. Liverpool are in the mix Manchester City and then we have to have a, it's a decent argument to, to talk about Manchester United and Chelsea and then who knows about the other signings so your point is absolutely spot on the competitive nature of this season has been really really great to see Wolves making a big statement Sheffield United in the top 10 which is fantastic for them um, and then you know if we talk a little bit of, you know, further down the league as well Brighton and Hove Albion that's another season in the Premier League for Brighton so fantastic Um, Southampton I'm a massive fan of what happened down there recovering from losing a game 9-0 earlier on in the season and then very very comfortably staying in the league doesn't happen that often Uh, normally teams that lose lose 9-0 and you know have that have that level of problems normally find themselves uh, at the wrong end of the table and they've they've comfortably stayed up in 11th place so it's been it's been a really competitive season Um, lots of breakout teams and um yeah it's 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 definitely uh wetting our appetite for next season as well, mate.
0: The teams have been relegated, I mean I'm quite surprised Aston Villa turned it around, but fair play to Dean Smith and Jack Grealish and Cope, because since lockdown they've become a lot tighter. Um yeah. and you've seen obviously Jack Grealish has had more help now from players around him. So you know the likes of Douglas Louise holding midfield has been fantastic. Mings has got some form back again. Um yeah. you know, and Smith has made them tighter. So fair play to them. I did think that, you know, the the, the, the teams were going to get relegated were going to be Norwich, Bournemouth, and, well, you know what? I thought Aston Villa, but um, obviously it was Watford. Um, I thought Pearson would have saved them. I thought Pearson was going to save them, and then they made the bizarre decision um, to sack him with two games to go. I just do not yeah. know why. Or maybe there's behind-the-scenes stuff we don't know about. But um, I think probably, well, I mean, you know, the, the the final table doesn't lie and all three clubs did deserve to go down. Obviously, they weren't good enough. But maybe looking at Watford, you know, when you have that many turnovers of manager and that many turnovers of playing staff, eventually it's going to end in one way. And it's been a, probably a long time coming for Watford, hasn't it? Because it's just been so inconsistent in terms of the direction the club is heading in. So, they, you know, they've they've kind of shot themselves in the foot, I think, don't you?
1: 100% I think the feeling amongst you know we heard from other managers and coaches this this week about their shock about you know the, the sacking of Nigel Pearson we don't know what's happened behind the scenes obviously there was there was talk about a punch up or a fight or whatever in the change rooms or you know in, in the half time uh, you know we're never going to know how true that is um, but the fact of the matter is they've made three managerial changes in one season and um, you know it feels know, when, like
0: they do that quite often like
1: they do They have a a massive turnover. I think it's a a sack to survive mentality, which is, you know, we were were talking about this earlier before we started about how refreshing it is. I'm, I'm very pleased if we go to the top of the league, for example, Manchester United and Chelsea have come in third and fourth. Now, if we look at their managers... Um, they've both had times in this season, Frank Lampard and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, where they've been praised for fantastic work they've done and they've also been pilloried for a perception that they're not ready. That, so they've been heavily criticised and you know heavily praised, depending on which day of the week it is or which result they've got. And I think this short-termism doesn't do clubs any favour. So you know we see with teams that stick with managers, um, the successes they can have, and you know Watford's this sort of their their style or their their way of doing things. It's it's not worked out, and I, I think you you can't consistently sack managers and expect to get results. Nigel Pearson was doing a good job. Obviously, we don't know what's happened. He brought them uh, to the point of safety. Who knows whether he would have got it over the line or not? I think they ended the season playing. Against uh, Man City and Arsenal, so it was a tough end to the season, anyway. But um, I think he earned that chance to um, to try and keep them up. But anyway, they, they had a good, yeah, they were they were a good side this season. They were good, good to watch. Uh nice mixture of talents down there. I think they've got the makings of a very good team. They just couldn't get it done. I'm with you, mate. I thought Villa were gone. Um, they managed to turn it around. Uh, McGinn coming back was uh, was really important for them. I think he's a key player. Uh, Grealish has been a talisman obviously got another goal today which just um, uh, unbelievable so for them to uh, for them to stay up is is a real fairy tale because I thought they were dead and buried Norwich obviously they were gone a long time ago yeah, um, but I'm sure we'll see. Uh, I'm sure we'll see them back up again soon. I did pick actually Brighton to go down at the start of the season. I thought oh, this really? would be, okay. yeah, I did. I thought this would be the year that they'd go down, and they proved me. Um, they proved me quite wrong. So I'm, I'm quite happy about that because they've they've done remarkable stuff down there.
0: Not fair enough. Fair enough. It's been a bizarre season, but as always with every season, lots and lots to talk about. After the break, we're going to be doing our end of season Premier League awards show. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to the Codes Review Podcast, where we are going to be doing our Premier League end of season awards show, and we're going to kick it off with our Premier League team of the season. But to make it a bit interesting, so basically a team that isn't filled with Liverpool and Man City players, and the odds <laughs> who's not on one, maybe we have got a rule in place where you are only allowed one player from a certain club. Um, and we actually found it quite difficult. I thought it would be easier than what it was, but um, let's kick it straight off. Let's go with the goalkeeper. And obviously, bearing in mind that we are only allowed one player from a club, um, I thought the goalkeeper discussion was well between two. Um, it was between I think grieta at Crystal Palace and Henderson at Sheffield United. And because I've got another Sheffield United player in, I went for grieta at Crystal Palace.
1: That's fair enough, mate. I can't argue too much with that. I think he's. I think he's been fantastic. To be honest with you, mate. Um, I've I've gone the other way. I've gone with uh, Henderson. Yeah, I've gone with Henderson from Sheffield United. I think a number of reasons. Uh well, one, he's a very, very young um English goalkeeper, so I like to see them doing well. Yep. And um I think he's he's really, really shy. He's also had uh a fair bit of light on him, considering he's you know, he's a Manchester United goalkeeper. So, yep. um there's been that to sort of deal with as well. So it's not been easy considering uh, David De Gea, uh is like quite a lot of um sort of adverse press let's say because of Mm. you know some poor form or whatever so every time that happens every time De Gea makes a mistake or a perceived mistake um, every single time the talk is about Dean Henderson potentially when's he going to be ready to play and things like that and he hasn't let that affect him I think he's been fantastic and we talk about Sheffield United uh, having a great season I think Henderson's been a really really big part of it mate
0: Completely agree. And I would have picked Henderson, but I've already got another Sheffield United playroom, which we'll discuss later. Um, I think Greater, I think he's been excellent. Crystal Palace, you know, typically under Roy Hodgson, very sturdy, very solid. Um, he was a free transfer, joined as an old player, and I think he surprised people of how well he's done. Fantastic shot stopper. Um, and I think he's, I think he might be third in the league, actually, since he joined in terms of... Um, saving shots ratio. I might be wrong there, but I think, you know, his shots to goals ratio might be the third best in the league. So I know he's he's been a fantastic signing for them. But moving swiftly on, um, for the right back, I went for, I mean, obviously the, the obvious one would be Trent Alexander-Arnold, but again, <laughs> I, it's another Liverpool player. So I went with Cesar aspino Quetta. And for me, the reason why I went aspino I think that when you get to a level of player where you are so consistently performing to a high level kind of take you for granted. So I think that... Yeah. Espelha's quite a season has kind of gone under the radar again. But he's had another fantastic season. He's he's a leader. He's uh, flexible in terms of positions. Um, he can play right back. He can play on the right-hand side of a back three. He can play left back. Um, he can even play as a right wing back. Um, he's played more minutes this season for Chelsea than anyone. He's actually got four goals and seven assists in all competitions, which I think will surprise a lot of people. And it's just been another... Um, stellar season from him, and what a pro, what a footballer!
1: Yeah, I think I think another thing not to forget is um, uh, it's very impressive when you also consider the emergence of Reese James. Yeah. So you know this is, and, and you just said it there, what a pro, what a footballer! So he's managed to maintain those levels. He's got an absolutely fantastic uh, young footballer breathing down his neck for a position, um, and he's managed to keep that level of consistency and performance really. Really high, so um, no, it's a good shout, mate. I'll, I've not gone with him, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's a great shout. Obviously, Trent would be the the um, you know, first choice, I think. I think my top top uh choice would have been Trent, um, probably my second choice would have been possibly Wan Bissaka, but I've gone for a different United player, so I've actually gone with um, Ricardo Pereira from Leicester yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Pereira, mate, as you know, I think, um, me too, I think what you know. A Yeah, and I I think people talk about Trent and and his assists and everything like that and it is fantastic. So, you know, he would be the best right back in the league if we had this, you know, if we hadn't imposed this thing where we could only have one one player per team, which has made it slightly more difficult. But in terms of um, consistent performance, you know, defending and attacking, um, I think Pereira adds a fantastic level of balance to a team. Um, I think he's able to take the ball forwards. I think he's been a big part of their um, of their back line as well. I think him being missing recently through games, uh, I don't think that's a coincidence with their loss of form, uh, yep. Leicester. I think he's been a big miss for them. Um, and I think he's a terrific player. And I don't think it'll be long before, sorry Leicester fans, before he moves on to a... Um, uh, Are traditionally one of the big one of the big six clubs. So Ricardo Pereira for me, mate. Well, do you know what, mate? Staying on Ricardo Pereira, I completely
0: agree. But I went for another Leicester player for a bit of balance, which I'll get onto later. But I genuinely think there's an argument to say that Pereira is the best right back in the league. I really do believe this, and hear me out. This is why because. He has so much... First of all, he's actually really good defensively. And that has Mm -hmm. sometimes been an issue with Alexander-Arnold. But again, it's different kinds of things because Alexander-Arnold is tasked with being so far forward that he's obviously going to get caught in by now and again. So I'm not digging out Alexander-Arnold there. But um, Pereira is really good defensively. He has so much influence to Leicester's attack. He's a much better ball carrier than Alexander-Arnold. He actually gets into the box really regularly for a right back he's also Mm -hmm. throughout wide he's a threat from deep he's a good crosser like I said a fantastic ball carry inside and out you know who he reminds me of he really really reminds me of Mykon.
1: oh okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that kind
0: of style I think he's an outstanding right back I really do and I I'm happy to have that discussion with someone Um, they're different kinds of players different kinds of styles but I think there's an argument there to say he's the best right back in the league I know that you know there's everyone maybe most people go what are you talking about obviously Alexander Arnold but I think there's an argument, say, uh, Ricardo
1: Pereira is. Well, my top three is is uh, Trent, um, yep. then, then Wan-Bissaka, and, and then Pereira. And I think Trent Trent is, um, I mean, his passing and his crossing range is just utterly ridiculous. And the output in yep. terms of, even goals now that he's adding, the output in terms of assists just can't be overlooked. I think wan Um, yeah. um Wan-Bissaka is a fantastic, really competitive defender um, who's like, who's really shored up that side of Manchester United's back four. And he's, and he's made that position now his own. Um, don't forget, he was you know, he came from Crystal Palace with quite a big um, sort of weight on his shoulders. You know, Is he going to be able to do this? He's still really, really young. So I, I would rate him as the second best right back in the league. And then Pereira, and I think Pereira is a perfect sort of balance between the two, really. Um, really professional, a very consistent performer. So, yeah, I think, I think he's, he's been a big part of Leicester's success this season.
0: Great shout. My right side of centre-back, I'm going for Mason Holgate, who has had a really underrated season for Everton. Um, he's He's a defender that likes to play on the front foot. He reads the game really well. He likes to be imposing and step in and win the ball. But remember what we said, like, you know, I've obviously spoken to you a few times before, what I like to call that composed aggression. I feel like he's really developed that this season. So he's very assertive um very aggressive but never in a sense this season when I felt like it was erratic um and actually I think that he, he's a good he's good technically as well good passer but I think he deserves a lot of credit um he's very athletic reads again well like I've said also considering that you know Everton's midfield often leaves Everton's defence to kind of defend on their own um I think he deserves a huge amount of credit um uh, for the season he's had and I'm a big fan of his and I think there's a reasonable shout to say that actually he should be in and around the England squad because I don't think that at the moment England um, have too many um, centre-backs in the first 11 that you would say, oh, well, he's definitely, definitely deserves to be there.
1: That's a great shout, mate. I mean, um, he he has been fairly consistent this season. I I take your point about the um, the English centre-backs as well, mate, and it's been... It's good to see a young player kicking on and, and adding some consistency to his game. Um, do you want to do your your second centre back as well, mate? I feel like we should do these as a pair.
0: Yeah, fair enough. So, my second centre back is O'Connell at Sheffield United. Um, again, it's now the now infamous, part of the now infamous uh, Sheffield United back three, the overlapping centre backs. He is the left sided overlapping centre back. And again, um, so much of what Sheffield United is, well, so much of what's been good about Sheffield United this season has been, you know, down to the whole, the whole team, the whole squad, the whole club. But you know, the back three as well have been a huge part of their success. And O'Connell, as the left side of centre back, the ball carry or the um, overlapping centre back, one of them, um, he's been fantastic. So no, um, he's my Sheffield United player. So that's my back two. Oh, my back
1: centre back duo. Sorry, that's a great shout, mate. I mean, my centre backs. I've gone for, uh, I've gone for Lewis Dunk um, of Brighton. I think he's been yep. terrific. And I've yep. gone for uh, Berg Virgil, mate, Virgil Van Dijk. Um, okay. So that's my that's my Liverpool player out of the way. Um, yeah. Obviously, we don't have to talk too much about Virgil Van Dijk. I think he's a, I think he's a really yeah, he's alright
0: he's pretty good.
1: <laughs> I think he's look. I think they've just given the the Player of the Year to um, Jordan Henderson. But um, for me, Virgil Van Dijk's the best footballer in the league. I think he's absolutely fantastic, mate. We can have an argument about um, other players. Mane, I know you're a big fan of his. Um, different players here and there, and and De Bruyne's obviously output is just ridiculous and. Henderson has had a fantastic season, but for me, the best player in the league is Virgil van Dijk. I think uh, he makes a huge difference to to any team that he, he would play, and he never looks he never looks uh, rushed, never looks hurried. Technically superb there's all of the basics fantastic and he's marshaled that back four and he's, he, he's, he's a massive, colossal reason that they've been so successful over the last two years. So Van Dijk had to be in there for me. And then Lewis Dunk. You know, I said earlier about Brighton proving me wrong. I thought they were going down. I really did. I couldn't see them staying up again. Um, I was dead wrong. Lewis Dunk's been a, a really, really big part of that. Uh, just a consistent performer. Um, again, um, unfashionable, t- unfashionable team, let's say. Uh, certainly, one of my picks for relegation, um, but they've grounded out with with something to spare, and I think um, that's part of the the collective down there, and um, and he's been a, a major major part of it. Uh, he's one of those um, unsung heroes, I think, mate.
0: Yep, completely agree. At left back, I went for Bukayo Saka. Arsenal, a bit of a breakthrough season for Saka. Um, I think this kid is one of the most talented players in the league. Um, he just—he's one of those players that he just gets football. So wherever you stick him, he'll figure it out. Um, he just understands the game. He's played so many different roles for Arsenal this season. But I'm going to put him at left back. I think that—I think that that's where he could become seriously, seriously world class. I—I wasn't too sure about him as a forward player before in terms of would he become world class. I knew I thought he would become you know really really good there. or Could become good uh, really good there. But I wasn't too sure if he would you know get to the, you know, realise his potential. But to be fair, watching him since the restart as a forward, as a midfielder, I do think he can maybe go on to become even a world-class forward player or a midfielder. But I'm going to stick him at left back. Um, He's had a fantastic, fantastic season. Only 18 years old. He's got 10 assists in all competitions, um, five assists in six Premier League, in six Europa League uh, appearances, which is no mean feat and two goals. So that's more than a goal output a game in the Europa League. He's got five Premier League assists in uh, 19 starts and a goal and um, this is a serious serious talent isn't it?
1: Mate he's I think he's one of only maybe two positions we agree on Um, obviously it's it's the same as what we were speaking about earlier Uh, I would have gone for maybe Robertson from Liverpool at left back but we can't do that Van Dijk's my pick and I think I agree with everything you just said, mate. I think Sack has been outstanding this season. Incredible to think that he's only eighteen years old, and also incredible to think that he's been he's he's performed so well in probably at least three positions. Yeah. Um, so I don't know whether that speaks of Arsenal's <laughs> Arsenal struggles this season a little bit. It probably does, um, but it also tells you the the level of talent of this player. I do
0: wonder what role he's going to use for, uh, Arteta's going to use him for next season. He, he's he's kind of done like the interior role quite a bit in terms of like a left mid, centre mid hybrid since the restart, a bit like Angel yeah. Di Maria used to do a fair bit of. Um, so I do wonder if he's going to sort of like try and use him for that kind of role where it's like, he's because so, he's so tactically intelligent and uh, he just understands roles and he understands football. So I do wonder if we're going to see him in a bit of a, uh, like one of those sort of hybrid roles that, um, that can sort of like, performing different systems um, at different uh, points in the game and different moves so um, I think he's not-
1: demonstrated that he's demonstrated yeah. his flexibility yeah. he's def- demonstrated his um tactical awareness and, and all of that and like you said game intelligence he just knows he just knows the game and he's a competitive performer and is you know for an 18 year old coming in um and you know they haven't had a, an easy season to come into imagine a young player coming into that arsenal team it can't be easy yeah. um, they've had a managerial change um they've come you know way off the pace They've been criticised quite a lot. I mean, they've made the cup final, so fair play to them there. And and they've actually managed to to blood a, a couple of really really talented youngsters as well. So it hasn't been a complete disaster. And Saka is is a really really bright light. I agree with you. I think he's gonna he's gonna end up slightly further forward in that hybrid role, probably left hand side midfield. Um, but uh, this season, where he's performed at left back. I think, he was, I think he's was. I think he been fantastic and I couldn't pick Robertson so it's going to have to be Saka.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, moving on to midfield I'll start with my holding midfielder and this is why I didn't pick Ricardo Pereira and that's because for the balance of the side I need to get a bit more of a, uh, a defensive minded midfielder and I went for Wilfred and Didi and similar to Ricardo Pereira I think the injuries to the pair of them during the season has been what, you know led to Leicester's downfall. I think if those two had stayed fit throughout the season then Leicester would have you know, cemented their place in the top four quite comfortably. And, indeed, is just, he's not the best, you know, technically. He's not the most amazing passer at all by any stretch of imaginations. But he is an elite ball winner, isn't he? Um, and he just provide he just gives so much stability to the team. He just allows the likes of Madison and Tillemans to go and express themselves and to be free. Um, he does so much work covering the ground. Um, he just eats up the yards, Superb for the ball. He's also good understanding position discipline and how to cover space just a fantastic defensive midfielder isn't
1: he yeah i think so And we talk about this when coaching young players all of the time speaking about it today actually about being world-class at the basics yeah and um i think this is this is a role with with that's that's really really true so some of the some of the you know the untold work like the the runs off the ball and then the first touch and like you said being a world-class ball winner um and then you know your, your short passing being really consistent um, it's a huge part of the game so knowing where to be you know Kante did it um, masterfully you know for a good few years um, and, and indeed he's he's done that again this season for for Leicester so again like I was saying about Pereira he's a big part of the wide you know, they've been so successful. I know they finished fifth, but that has to be classed as a successful season for Leicester. Um, and I think he's an example of that, being world-class of the basics, mate. Knowing your role, knowing your position, um, knowing your um, your the part that you play in the team and carrying it out consistently week in, week out. That, for me, makes up uh, a really, really brilliant defensive midfielder or holding midfielder. And he's, he's definitely right up there. I've gone a little bit different, mate. Um, I couldn't have any more Leicester players because I gave it to Pereira. So there's yep. absolutely no, there's no balance in my midfield, and I'm not ashamed of it. Either, mate. <laughs> <laughs> We're going goals, goals, goals. So um, I haven't got a holding midfielder, uh, <laughs> but I, I've gone well. We've, I've gone four three three. So I'm just gonna, I'm gonna talk you through my three in the middle. Okay, okay. Um, just to explain that there's no balance. So I've gone with Jack Grealish, I've gone with De Bruyne and I've gone with uh, Bruno Fernandez. So that's my. <laughs> <laughs> there'll be okay. there'll be no cover for my back four, but luckily we've got Van Dijk, so we don't that'll need cover good, anyway. That'll be good fun. But I had to put. Look, I was looking and I was thinking, well, who am I going to put in this midfield? I mean, Fernandez, we'll come on to him in a moment. Um, obviously, De Bruyne as well. But Grealish, I mean, like talk about the influence of a player on one on one club. Um, I think Jack Grealish has been like Superman this season for Aston Villa. I really
0: do. Yeah, I I think actually he's, in terms of player importance to the Premier League, I think he's the single most important player to their team uh, in the league. Actually, you don't don't really see too many players like that nowadays, where there's so much about each player has their role on the side. Jack Grealish has had to do pretty much everything. You don't see too much of that
1: nowadays. No, you don't. And I'm a a big believer, like I can talk about the other teams in the league. I'm a massive believer that... um, you know, it's not always the case, but you know, to a certain extent, the, the spine of the team is is really, really important. And they used to say, you don't hear this so much anymore, but games are won and lost in midfield. So if we look at, let's say, Arsenal, for example. Now, I'm not anti-Arsenal, even as a Tottenham fan. I, I, I do like the way they play, and I can appreciate good football. Um, Arsenal's, Arsenal's problems are, for me, one of the main problems is they don't have enough... Um, Sort of leaders in midfield in the middle of the park they don 't have stability in that area, so it doesn 't matter um, about Yang being a fantastic goal scorer um, there's no there 's no talisman in there there 's no one who 's sort of adding stability or, or you know managing the game in midfield and that 's why they struggle um, and We can look at other teams as well so if you remember early on in the season uh, Puki was scoring goal after goal for um, for Norwich, and he did fantastic. Um, So, you know, you'd look at that and say, oh, you know, it's it's important that teams have goal scorers, consistent goal scorers. Yeah, that is important. But I think it's more important um, because if we look at Villa this season, Villa have stayed up and they haven't had consistent goal scorers. They have not had that, but they've managed to stay up on being solid and having a player like Jack Grealish in the middle of the park, who's a leader, who's excellent at game management, takes the ball forward, carries the team forward, You're fond of this one. He can play well in front of the ball and behind the ball. Um, And I think that's one of the major reasons that they find themselves in the Premier League again next season. Hopefully, for them, I'm sure, they can hold on to him. I think their chances of doing that are pretty slim. Um, So, yeah, Jack Grealish had to make my teammate because I know we speak about the importance of goals and the importance of attacking players and things like that, but that's why I had to put Van Dijk at the back, because I think... Uh, we can talk all day long about Liverpool's front three, but without Van Dijk, it's a very, very different story. And I had to have Jack Grealish in midfield. because Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, just a huge part of that team.
0: Yep, agree completely. And before you talk about Fernandes and De Bruyne, um, I'll probably say my other centre midfielder, which I went for, Gio uh, um Nice. I adore this player. This is a player, <laughs> it's very, very rare that you get a player and you just know that every decision he makes it's going to be the right decision, um, and then he has the technical ability to pull it off. I mean, he, he's old. I think he might he might he might be thirty four now, um, yeah. but he's still performing to the highest level in the Premier League. This is an outstanding footballer. Um, yeah. He's so important to the way Wolves play. He can find a pass. He's just he's a beautiful, beautiful footballer that gets the game, can run the show, technically outstanding, um, and he's still. Still, at his age, running the show. So no, um, I went for Gio Moutinho for Wolves.
1: My only, my only uh, frustration with Gio Moutinho is he was linked with Tottenham for years and he never came. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, no, well, so, he was oh, literally the ideal Modric replacement and that's what he was supposed to be. But yeah. it never happened. So, you know.
1: No, t- uh, mate, a terrific way. player. Ro- Rolls-Royce of a player. I think he's classy. I think this is the type of player we talk about these. He could play for me. Moutinho could play for any team in the league. Yes. Absolutely yes. any team in the league. He would, you know, play, he, he would play for Liverpool, he played play for Man City, he's, he's that level of play. He's absolutely top draw.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, let's move on. So, well, you've got some midfielders left, but they're forward-thinking midfielders. So I might as well say my attacking midfielder. You've already said that you've picked Bruno Fernandes and I have as well. Bruno Fernandes is my attacking midfielder. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, the turnaround for Man United isn't just down to him, but it's pretty obvious that this turnaround from Man United wouldn't have happened without him.
1: Yeah, I don't think his importance to that team or that club at this moment in time can be overstated. Just like we've said with Van Dyke at Liverpool, exactly like I've just spoken about with uh, Grealish at Villa. You know, there's many other examples as well. But I mean, Bruno Fernandez has had such a galvanising effect on that team such a rejuvenating impact. Uh, Do you know what on- my
0: favourite thing about Fernandez is? Is that I feel like it's a, a signing that Man United used to make under Sir Alex Ferguson. And it's these kind of players that are just so, so good. And they just, they take it upon themselves to hold the responsibility and look after those around them and bring the level up of those around them. United used to sign those kind of players all the time. And you, not well, every player has to be that, but it's just, I feel like it's been a while since United signed that kind of player. And he's just like, yeah, give me the ball. I'll, I'll do it. I'll take responsibility. I'll find the pass. I'll find the goal. If it doesn't work out, I'll do it next time. I think it's
1: quite a brave signing because, yeah, and he's yeah. and, and what I like about Bruno Fernandes, apart from his penalty style, which I can't stand at all. but um, <laughs> oh, the I like it. I like and, it. Uh, it's not for me. The hop, skip and a jump. No, just tuck it in <laughs> the corner, mate. Come on. We don't, we don't need any flourishes here. Um, I'm old school. Or just shear it, just just leather it. You know, <laughs> um, What I like about him, he's a very, very brave player in the sense of he always wants the ball. Yep. Um, he'll always put it on his shoulders. So well, I'll take the team forward. I'll play that pass. His range of passing is fantastic. He can go short and go long. He can go early, outside of the foot. He can he can put the ball wherever you want it to be done. He has fantastic vision and he's a very forward-thinking player. He wants to hurt... Like, and this is a big thing, which I think gets underestimated. Don't get spoken about enough. He wants to hurt the opposition. He has yeah. a desire. You know, coaches and managers talk about this. You have to want to score goals. Yep. You know, I was coaching a player earlier today, a centre-back. You have to want to defend. You have to die for defending. Yep. You know, and, if, if, and that takes bravery. That takes, that takes guts to yeah. get onto the, you know, you know, you speak about Modric a lot, what a fantastic player he was. Yeah, because he would always get on the ball and always play forwards. He wants to play forwards. He wants to hurt the other team. You know, the best players, when they're at their best, they want to make an impact in the game. And sometimes we see fantastic players and you know they've got the technical ability, but could you accuse them sometimes of coasting or or could they have done more? You know, you're often left wondering like, well, could he have had more of an impact um, in that game? And, and when we see players like Bruno Fernandes actually taking games by the scruff of the neck and uh, I don't want to say carrying a team because they've, had, they've got fantastic players, Man United, but having that level of impact on a club like Manchester United, where it is not easy to go, it's not easy to go there and perform from day one. A lot of players have struggled with that. Um, I think he, he had to make the team, mate. And I'm excited to see what he does next season with a uh, with a full season, mate. I think he's going to be brilliant.
0: Yep, indeed. You've already mentioned De Bruyne as your Man City player. I went for yep. Riyad Morris. Um, I know that that's obviously, you know, maybe a bit harsh on De Bruyne. You know, he just, he equaled the record today, Thierry Premier League assists. But, I'm going for someone I kind of love today. I know that obviously it's, yeah, this is just my personal preference. I just love Riyad Mahrez. I just adore him. I love these kind of players that are so creative, do things off the cuff. And for me, I just think he's been absolutely outstanding. He's the best player in the league at taking the ball in his stride. um, Off both feet as well, whether it's coming over his shoulder or receiving to feet. He can go both ways. He's a threat. Uh, This is just a player that's just outstanding. Um, So I went for Riyad Mahrez.
1: I think that's a good shout, mate. That's a great shout. Um I could for balance have picked-
0: as well. That was also a reason maybe why I picked him ahead of De Bruyne for that right wing spot. So um I went for Riyad Morris. I know De Bruyne obviously, you know, he's like the, kind of like the right centre mid who, who plays in that sort of inside channel, but for balance I went for Riyad Morris as a winger.
1: Well I've gone for De Bruyne in the middle, mate. My I've got I've got De Bruyne, Grealish and Fernandez as my as my three midfield players in the centre. Um so I had to pick De Bruyne if I'm looking at Man City players mate this season he's gone Uh, he scored 13 goals and got 20 assists which I just think is that's utterly ridiculous so um, I think I think Manchester City you know this season you know would be deemed as as not good enough you know they've 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 come 18 points I think it is behind you know the champions Liverpool that's not good enough and yet he's managed to contribute 20 assists. They've scored 100 goals. Put it this way, they've scored 100 league goals and De Bruyne contributed 20 of them or assisted 20 of them. He scored 13. So 33 out of the 100 goals, that's about a third. So a third of their league goals are down to Kevin De Bruyne. That yeah. is absolutely phenomenal. He's the first player to get 20 assists in the season since uh, Thierry Henry, yep. um, another Premier League legend. I just think he's ridiculous, mate. Honestly, too. No, um, and yes. I, I, it's a shame for Mares, mate, because I think he's he's possibly had his best season, um, or well, maybe not the the the, the, the title-winning season with Leicester, maybe. But he's had a fantastic season. But um, when you get 20 assists, you have to make the team. So on the list. Next- on the left. I'm sorry to interrupt you. There. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I'm just so mate. eager to talk about this one. Um, I went for Sadio Mane. Uh, for me, I think he's the best player in the league. I just, I think this guy is so, so good. And I've thought that for a while, actually. I've thought he's been the best player in the league for a few years, actually. I just think that it's very rare that you find a player that can score all types of goals from all areas of the pitch. He can score right-footed on the right, across goal. He can be on the left, score with his left foot or right foot, bending it far corner. He can score central. He can score with his head. He can finish in the box, out the box. Um, he's amazing 1v1s. He's a threat off the ball. He can make runs in behind. He can receive deep defeat. Um, Just just an incredible, incredible footballer. Um, a huge, huge part of Liverpool's title win um, to be, I, I think he's the best forward, the best out of the trio, out of him. Salah and Firmino I know they maybe have different roles etc but I think he's the best forward there to be the best forward at a side that has dominated the league the way hey they have is pretty impressive I mean he's got 18 goals this season seven assists in the Premier League alone this is just an absolute world-class superstar of a footballer so he was my Liverpool pick on the left
1: um well I, I need to mention my right hand uh, player first mate before I go on to the left but um so I think you, yeah, you, you've jumped onto the left side there, mate. But I was going to talk about my right wing first. But we can go. What, what are we doing? This we're doing left wing, right wing. How are we going to do this one, mate?
0: Whatever we want, mate. Whatever we want. I've just jumped straight <laughs> into it. I've done my right wing, left
1: wing. So let's hear your right wing going in. Awesome, oh, my right wing. I know you went with Mares, mate. But I, I've I've used up my Man City play with De Bruyne. I've gone with uh, Adama Troiore. So um, for me, uh. <sighs> absolutely breakout season mate he's been unbelievable this year uh just unplayable at times and like i said right at the start it's amazing to consider his first game of the season was on the 25th of july um 2019 (laughs) his last game of the season was on the 26th of july 2020 so um (laughs) talk about a marathon but if anyone's yeah. in shape to do it it's uh, Adama <laughs> Traore <laughs> he's a freak isn't he oh he's a beast and when he's on his when he's on his game I, I know this gets used a lot but when he's on his game unplayable absolutely yep. unplayable in the same sense of you're talking about Mane or, or Mares, uh, a bit less refined um, probably less impacted than those players just yet but let's see hopefully he kicks on again next season he's added so much to his game his crossing ability is much better now um i think his general play is much better uh he's he's much more of a consistent threat when he's on the ball um i think he's just an exciting player mate i think he really is an exciting player and we talk about wolves having a terrific season you've gone with martino being a big part of that and i agree with you but i had to give it to adama Troare. so he's on my my right wing there mate and then quickly i'll just go through my left wing um I am being biased, <laughs> uh, and I've run out of Liverpool players, so I would normally agree with you, but I've gone for um, Son at Tottenham. Okay, okay. Yeah, um, that might seem like an odd choice, mate, but I'm unashamedly biased. <laughs> I'm a Spurs fan. <laughs> but on top of that, he has actually come in with 11 league goals and 10 assists. So in, in a season where Tottenham have struggled... Uh, they've lost a the manager, uh, been criticised about their style of play. You know, he's he was out of the team. He's not played every single game. To contribute 21 league goals, so double figures for goals and double figures for assists is not bad going. So had we been doing it another way where we could have more players from one team, I would most certainly be picking Mane, but uh, we can't. So I've gone with Son from Tottenham because I think if you can have someone on the left-hand side contributing double figures for goals and double figures for assists, and he does this consistently, you know, um, then that's uh, that's something every team would want.
0: Indeed, indeed. Um, let's go. With the last position on the pitch with the players I'd left. Um, there's only one man I could go for, and that is Danny Ings. Um, yep. What? season he's had and he deserves so much credit to have the season he's had after you know it didn't work out at his big big move to Liverpool um that can deflate players and obviously he's had two major major injuries that again can really you know it can really wreak havoc to a player's career and you know um are they going to return with the same explosiveness sharpness um for him to recover from those injuries and produced the season he has for Southampton where, you know, Southampton aren't one of the, I mean, they've had a good season and they're under, they're really well coached team but they're obviously not one of the top, top performing uh, teams. Yeah, he scored 22 goals um, and different kinds of goals as well. Um, No, this is a, he deserves a ton of credit. Um, So for me, Dan Ings is a
1: striker. Um, Well done to him on an amazing season. Uh, That's unbelievably, mate. That's the third player we actually agree on. Um, I had initially put Vardy, but then I used up my Leicester player at right back, Ricardo Pereira. So I have to give an honourable mention to Jamie Vardy, 23 league goals this season, mate. Yeah, Yeah, of course, not bad at all. Just the level of consistency is ridiculous now. But Danny Ings, for the same reasons you said, mate, just the, what do they call it, bounce-back ability? Yeah. (laughs) Just the ability to bounce back from those injuries. Such a likeable player as well. Um, And I'm a big fan of what happened with Southampton during the course of the season as i've spoken about before in terms of being down and then and then coming back up to finish so strongly um i think they finished in 11th uh so 22 league goals scored from let's you know let's be real an unfancied player at an unfancied team um is like hats off to him fantastic and like you said it's not it's not a small thing to recover from those injuries and then perform at this level you know it's it's he's just a terrific player um, and I think he's actually scored at a quicker rate than uh, Abamyang and Jamie Vardy. I know that doesn't mean too much. They've played roughly the same amount of games. But yeah, 22 goals, mate, it's worth a shout. So Danny Yang's in there for me as well.
0: Indeed, indeed. So those are our teams. Whose team do you think is better? Is it Richard's all-out attack? Um, yeah. Or is it um, maybe my a bit more balanced side? Um, just a quick run through of the teams again. So. In goal, I had Vicente Greta, I had uh, Cesar Spelacueta right back, a centre-back partnership of Mason Holgate and O'Connell, uh, Sheffield United, Saka left back. My midfield double pivot was Moutinho and Ndidi. And I had Mares, and Mane and Fernandez behind Danny Ings. That was my team. Richard, if you want to quickly go for
1: your team. The winning team, yeah, no problem. have <laughs> <So> got- <laughs> I've gone with Dean Henderson in goal, England's future number one. My back four, Ricardo Pereira, Leicester, outstanding season. Centre-back pairing of Lewis Dunk, Brighton, kept them up, even though I didn't think they would do, so hats off to him. Van Dijk, best player in the league, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and uh, young Saka at left-back, so we agree on that one. My uh, my very attacking midfield three, I've gone with uh, Grealish, uh, captain fantastic, uh, De Bruyne and Fernandez for obvious reasons. On the right-hand side, Adama Troiore. I think he's been a huge part of Wolves. Left-hand side, Son. Unashamedly biased, there, mate. But he did the double-double, as they say in basketball. Double-double uh, double <laughs> figures for assists and double figures for for goals. So can't complain about that. And up front, Dannyings like yourself, mate. I think I've won that.
0: You're a brave man telling one of those midfield three that you've got to be the sitting player. Um, I wouldn't I want that job. I told you, mate. We've got Van Dijk at the back. No sweat. Yeah, well, I wouldn't want that job, but there you go. Um, what do you think? What about your teams? Would you make any changes? Let us know in the comments underneath the tweet. Um, after the break, we're going to be doing some more end-of-season awards and answering your questions. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to the Code Review Podcast, where we have some more awards to begin um, to give out. Apologies, and um, the first place to start is our play of the season. Uh, it seems to me that there's been it was gen- it seems to be like a competition between Jordan Henderson and De Bruyne. Um, hmm. Fine, those two should definitely be in a conversation. But I'm like, uh, hello, Sadio Mane, why is he not <laughs> yeah. in the conversation? <laughs> um, I never understood he, that. He's my play of the season. I think a team that has been so dominant. I think that you know. If, for me, it's. It, I know people say defense wins you titles, etc. That's an old saying, but if you are the forward player, the main forward player, or one of the main forward players in a team as dominant in the title win, um, I think that you should be up there. You know, as 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 the as the play of the season, and to not even be in the conversation as much as the other two, I think astounds me. So no, for my for me, my player of the season is Sadio Mane.
1: For yeah, the reasons mate, I've already
0: spoken about. That's in a our fantastic
1: team. shout. It's, it's a it's a terrific shout. Um, I agree with you. I never understood how the the conversation started to just centre around uh, De Bruyne and Henderson. I mean, obviously, two fantastic players, and Henderson as the captain of Liverpool has has led them to great things. But it seemed to be a bit more of a I don't know, like a like a story for Henderson about uh, the, the story of Liverpool thirty years and being the captain and the captain to win it you know, that Gerard hadn't won in, Henderson has, and he's come from adversity and all of that. And it's fantastic. And I think he's been a terrific player, but I think Mane was a better shout than Henderson. Um, but I've actually gone for another Liverpool player. Look, in any other year, we could argue about two or three City players, but yeah. I just can't have a City player winning player of the season when they finished 18 points behind Liverpool. So um, I've already mentioned him earlier, mate, Virgil van Dijk. Um, just, uh, just a ridiculous player. I think he's just... You know, his coolness personified. He makes every single player in that back four better. Uh, he makes the goalkeeper better. Uh, makes the midfield better. <sighs> just m- Mr. Cool. Tidies everything up. Never looks rushed. Never looks hurried. Does everything in his own time um, and at the right time. World class at the basics, as we said before. Um, and just like a-, a talisman in a different way. He's not, you know, he's not um, thumping his chest. He's not rallying the troops in that sense. Um, he's a leader in the sense of his quality, if you know what I mean. Yeah, um, the
0: reason why I would generally pick um, forward players rather than defenders is I think that it's, I think it's a more difficult job to be a forward player. You know, you're the one that has to go and create something against a side that's designed to stop you. Whereas I think it's easier to sort of be a stopper rather than a creator because you know you're just trying to prevent things as a forward player you're trying to create things consistently against and you are so often targeted um, against bigger better sides um, now it's not to say that you know defending is an easy job at all I'm not saying that but I just think that you know this is what you know the forwards for me they're the ones it's the world-class forwards that win you the games for me I know that you can't win a title without having a fantastic midfielder, or fantastic defence but for me it's the difference makers they're the ones that you know deserve most of the accolades generally speaking so that's why I went to Sadio Amane. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's a, that's a tough one, mate. I agree and I don't. It's a difficult... We've had this conversation before. I think for me, if I'm building a team, I'll build from the back and the spine of the team. I really do. I don't think... It's not that I think attacking players are ten a penny. I don't. I think it's one of the... You know me, I've, players, I've coached. I think it's one of the hardest skills is to, to beat a player 1v1 and to score goals. There's two of the hardest things to find um, in a football team, a regular goal scorer and... Um, a I know it doesn't
0: make sense, but the saying I've used is that... <laughs> kind of coined it on myself but it's kind of like I think it's easier breaking things up than it is actually creating things um, that's kind of my thinking of it I know that obviously you know you, you kind of you're not too sure about that
1: yeah look there's, there's look another saying was uh, attacks wins you games um, defence wins you leagues yeah um, and you know if we go through the teams if we look at Manchester City they've scored 100 goals this season but they're way off the pace there's a simple reason for that they can't defend Um and th- that's why they've, they've outscored Liverpool dramatically um, mm. but they cannot defend or they're certainly much more suspect It's not you know they can't defend that's too harsh they're much more suspect at the back than, than Liverpool and that's why they're miles off the pace um, and if they go out of the Champions League you know why it won't be because of lack of goals um, it'll be because of their defensive frailties you know they've missed company since company's gone it's no big yeah. surprise to see what's happened um, they've got a problem at left back in terms of Defensive stability. Zinchenko's a terrific player. Uh, but is he that guy at that level? Uh question marks over Mendy as well. And then John Stones, that, you know, uh they're relying so heavily on um Laporte. That um look look how good they are going forwards. That would be the argument for me. Where you've got Sterling scoring goals left, right and centre, De Bruyne popping up, Jesus, Aguero. They've got goal scorers all over the pitch, Mares, um, but the difference between Liverpool and Manchester City this season is is not goals. It's um it's defensive stability. So that's why Van Dyke gets the nod for me. But I like I like what you said, mate, and I agree, generally speaking, it is harder to create a um an attacking player, ability to go past players. But for me this season it's gotta be Van Dyke.
0: Fair enough. And moving on to the young player this season. I'm basically completely going against what I've just said and I'm picking a defender over a forward. (laughs) Um, Although, to be fair, this kid is more of a forward player, to be fair, the way he plays. Um, And I think we both agree, young player of the season, uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold. I mean, shout-outs to Marcus Rashford, Saka, Foden, Greenwood. But I think Alexander-Arnold has arguably been the outstanding young player of the season.
1: Yeah, that's, that's one we definitely agree on, mate. And obviously, the only reason he didn't make both of our teams is because we could only have one Liverpool player. You went for Mane, I went for Van Dijk. But yeah, young player of the season. Just unbelievable. Um, and now he's scoring goals as well. So watch out next year. Just ridiculous. And he seems like such a niceable lad too. Uh, oh, sorry, a likeable lad. Um, he's got his head switched on. He's been consistent throughout the whole season, which is not a small thing. Or oh, two seasons now. And in the level of, I think he, did he break his own assists record this season? Hey,
0: this season, honestly, in the Premier League alone, 13 assists and four goals. That's 17 goal contributions from a fullback. Yeah, from right In back. the most competitive league in the world. It is beyond ridiculous.
1: Well, I think the previous um, record was 12 and that was his from last season. Just so incredible. I mean, 17
0: own- goal output from a fullback. It's beyond ridiculous. It's not bad um, I mean, you were eulogising over son earlier about having double-double. Yeah. Um, you know, this right back has 17 goal contributions, just insane and arguably revolutionising the the position. Um, where are you on the conversation about him being a midfielder? Um, I know he played there a bit as an academy player. Um, just being, one thing I would like to say is, you know, just because you have incredible technical ability doesn't mean you can play midfield because looking at the game as a right back with the whole game in front of you and to the side of you is very different to now all of a sudden with the game all around yeah. you different kinds of touches, different kinds of receives, different kinds of pass. But he has I played at academy level.
1: I, yeah, but we're talking academy level. That's, that's yeah, great. Yeah. We're, we're talking, you know, the big boys now. We're, we're talking at the very, very top. And I think that's being too clever. And I see a bit of, yeah, you know, you, you do get that in football. People philosophising in yeah. being too clever. And you know, wanting to show their knowledge and things like this. It's like, look, the best thing about it, we talk about those 13 assists and four goals. Well, a large chunk of those have come from his unbelievable crossing. So yeah. if we start putting him into places like midfield, um, you're just losing like the, probably the best thing about Trent alexander well, it's
0: like you've got a revolution. Like, I'm not just saying this lightly, a revolutionary fallback here. This is a yeah. revolutionary fallback. Why are you trying to like just change him? Into, why not just like, you know, keep him as a revolutionary fallback and then maybe buy an actual defensive midfielder or an actual midfielder yeah. if you need one? um so no um yeah i think Arizona he's Reynolds. fine
1: where he is for now mate yeah young player
0: of the <laughs> but season.
1: yeah I, I'm, I'm with you i would like to you know honorable mentions mate saka yeah. we've already spoke about greenwoods i mean like i could talk about greenwood all day long mate Me as well um he as well. and also it seems to be forgotten because he you know he, he played a, a fair amount last season as well phil foden yeah, um phil foden. what an unbelievable i think look the david silver you know played his last game uh, for Manchester City. It's a shame that it was uh, an empty house instead of a full house. He really deserved a standing ovation from a packed-out stadium. Um, I'm sure they'll get that to him you know, in good time with his testimonial or whatever, but um, he's handing over the baton and I sincerely hope that that Phil Foden um, gets trusted with that role because I think he's ready. I think he's an absolutely brilliant player. He's the, he's the epitome of what they could hope to produce. From Manchester City's um, academy system um, or academy setup, so Phil Foden deserves a shout. Rashford as well, mate. Really, yeah. really um, finding consistency. I know you spoke earlier about Martinelli. Yeah, um, he deserves so, a
0: shout. I expect yeah. big
1: things from this kid, mate. Um, Mason Mount. Mason Mount, twenty-one years old. Yeah. I think he. I think he may have played in every single Premier League game this season for Chelsea.
0: More than um, that, mate. I think he's been involved in every single squad of every game, all competitions. Um, yeah. I'm pretty. I think he, I think there's maybe only two games he hasn't made actual appearances in terms of all competitions. He's definitely played over fifty games for Chelsea. I know that much. Or right, he's been so, involved in over fifty. God.
1: And and you know and they've they've come top four. And you know a lot of people would have argued this season. Then okay, with Frank Lampard taking over, no one knew if he was going to be able to do it. Um, they had that transfer ban. They've had issues at the back. All sorts of issues. Um, so you know losing Eden Hazard, massive, massive loss. Uh, so to come into that as a young player and play every single game. Like, absolutely ridiculous and easy to forget how young he is. And then same team, Christian Pulisic, um, another young player who we're now seeing really uh, find form, uh, really find his feet. So big, big things to come from him as well. So I think, yeah, definitely honourable mentions for Pulisic and Mount for me, as well as the others we spoke about.
0: Yep. Yep. Moving on, manager of the season. uh, Well, it's got to be Jurgen Klopp, you know, to win the league like they've done the first time Liverpool have won the league in however many years. I know we've all been told about it a million times, but, um, you know, incredible what he's done there. Incredible achievement. Um, Yeah. You know, to do it, again, the amount of points he got last season, this season, the Champions League final last season, the Champions League final the season before. Sorry, Champions League win last season, the Champions League final before. Um, This guy's just produced an absolute winning machine and um, he's created the best team in the world, arguably. Um, I know that obviously, you know, and of course, I'm a huge fan of Chris Wilder. Um, People like him deserve a huge shout for what he's done. Incredible. Sheffield United, Santo Wolves, even Lampard at Chelsea, even Solskjaer at United, even Mourinho at Spurs deserves a shout. (laughs) Um, But... Manager I think everyone, everyone,
1: who, everyone who managed to keep their job deserves yeah, sure. a Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Arsenal at
0: Southampton, <laughs> we're massive fans of his. Um, yeah. But I think we both agree that the manager of the season has to be Jürgen Klopp, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, you, you could have a conversation. I think the only one you could possibly throw in there legitimately would be Wilder at Sheffield United. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you, you can't look beyond Klopp. I mean, uh, and it's the way that he's done it as well. The bond that he gets with his players, what he's managed to get out of that, that group of guys for the last, well, the last two or three years, but specifically the last two years. Champions League winners last season, uh, Premier League winners this season, just phenomenal level of consistency and drive and wanting to win and will to win. You know, they won again today. They would have been partying hard after winning the title. <laughs> um, I know there's nothing on it, but it, that, that's, there is something on it. There's a game to be won. Yes, that's- um, and that's, that's, that's exactly what he's instilled. Of course, there's something on it. It's a game of football. So yeah, it, it it doesn't want to go out there and lose, and that's what we saw with Manchester City as well. It's like okay, they're still racking up points. I think they've won five on the bounce. You know, they yeah. lost the season weeks ago, but that's what that's what winners do. Um, and he's pushed everyone on. We spoke about it earlier. Pep's gonna have to come hard next season. You know, Manchester United, Chelsea, Tottenham, Arsenal. They're gonna have to come strong next season because Klopp's not gonna stop. Um, so it'll be interesting to see whether he can get a third uh season at this level out of the same players i'm i agree with you they they're gonna have to refresh but we'll talk about that in the transfer window i think but yeah Yeah. by a distance manager of the season jürgen klopp well done
0: one more award to uh to give and it is the most improved player and i'm gonna go for anthony martial purely because i thought he was quite a one-dimensional player before i thought he would score specific kind of goals you, um, you know, coming in off the left, that kind of like caressing the ball into the far corner, quick beat every now and again, um, play speed and skill or, you know, or close uh, controlled dribbling at high speeds, um, good ball manipulation. Um, didn't always play with the utmost intensity. And yet the work he's done and Solskjaer has done, he's turned, he's, you know, he's turned himself into a far more all-round number nine. So number nine now that attacks the front post on crosses, that links up play much more regularly, plays back to goal, of course, different kinds of goals. Um, I think he deserves a huge amount of credit for what he's done. And there's even an argument to say now that Man United have got their number nine um, until maybe Greenwood um, is ready to take over the mantle full-time, which to be fair is probably now. But um, (laughs) I think for me, my most improved player, because of how he has, you know, changed who he is as a player and performed so well. I mean, he's got 17 goals and six assists in the Premier League. 22 in all competitions, six assists in all competitions. Has 28 gold contributions this season in all in all competitions. Um, And, you know, this is a player that, you know, I think the reason why I'm giving him my impressive proof is because he's he's had to kind of change who he is as a player. Yeah. And he's done it superbly and it's huge credit to him.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, mate. I think he's changed his role slightly. I actually think he's changed. I think he's grown up as a footballer. Yeah, 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 definitely um, perhaps, definitely probably perhaps start to realize that um or, or or it's just been manifested in the way that he plays anyway that you know you're, you're playing at a club where you've got to show a, a a better level more consistently. His talent was never in doubt, his ability to do it was never in doubt. It was the ability to do it week in week out that was in doubt. Um and I, you know, it looks like he's made a step forward. He's ended on 17 league goals. Him and Rashford tied on 17, so that's terrific. And when you add Greenwood into ten league goals as well, that's forty-four goals between the three of them. So I think that's going to be a huge feature of their of their um, team going forwards uh, next season. Is is the goal, goals contributed by that forward line? And um, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. mate. I think he's a good shout for most improved. Um, but I'm sticking with my man Adama Traore, mate. Um, I think this has been his breakout season. I'm a massive fan, as you know. Uh I love players that excite that have that little bit of danger about them, a little bit different. Um, he's certainly different. Uh you never quite know what's gonna come next. Um some of the performances earlier this season when he when, look when he when he scored two against Manchester City and that win they won three two there. Um just on his day, absolutely unplayable. And obviously we've you know, we've all seen him for the last two or three seasons. And he was always a terrific player, able to go past the player, able to dribble, able to hold the ball so strong, so powerful. Um, you know, he's he's added much more. He's he's much more technically um, competent now. He can keep the ball much closer. He doesn't you know it doesn't bounce off him in the way that it used to do. He's not so erratic with his touch. He's obviously worked on that. His delivery from out wide is vastly improved. Um, his general play is improved, and now overall he's just become a much more um, much more effective player. So, you know, they can use him off the bench as an impact player. He can start games. He can perform consistently at that level. I know they're disappointed that they've they've slipped into seventh, I think, Wolves. Uh, but they have to count that as a successful season. And alongside Jimenez and Moutinho that we've spoken about, um Truri's massive part of that. I hope he kicks on again next year because there would have been some before who would have written him off previously. I remember watching him a couple of seasons back. Um, what was I think he was a Barra at the time. And just, you would describe him as a raw talent, you know, able to go past players, come inside, outside, use his power, whatever. But then inevitably, um, the, the, final, the final ball would be wrong, or the shot would be wild, or he would run out of pitch or, or those sorts of things. So to see him come from there to where he is now, uh, one of the most effective wide players in the league, I think, is um, is terrific. So, yeah, Dharma Torre, for me, mate, most improved player.
0: Fair enough. For me to see him go reach the truly world-class levels, I need to see him perhaps become a player that doesn't have to beat as many players on one move, yeah. um, but perhaps has the ability to beat less players but actually enter into danger zones because I think he'll sometimes, again, looks amazing beating five or six players, but he'll always end up in the same position and that is towards the corner flag. Um, or to be fair, he sometimes cuts in from the out wide, um, and then playing in across from there. I would like to see him, actually, can your dribbles take you into danger zones yourself? And can you produce end products where you have a bit more time to think and it's not always at the end of driving runs? Fantastic mm. improvement. Unplayable on his day, but for him to reach superstar levels, I think he needs to do those two things. And that's big question marks whether, he, whether that's gone now, whether he can do that. But... To be fair, the improvement he's made so far. I'm not going to bet completely against him, but I don't. I think we're. I think we I think we're seeing the best that Domatora can be. I don't think we're going to see much more improvement from him from here on.
1: Well, let's hope he proves you wrong, mate.
0: Let's hope we do. Let's hope he does. Sorry. <laughs> um, before we wrap up, we have a few questions to answer. Um, so I asked on Twitter. You know, um, anyone who wants to send some questions in, and we have a few that I've picked here. So the first question is from uh, Greg Bannon, and he's asked. How do you see Southampton pushing on next season? Who would you suggest they buy? Richard, do you want to start this off?
1: Uh, well, it depends if Liverpool buy any more of their players. Man. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'm not... Well, Spurs are signing one of them, doesn't it, Hoiberg? So uh, they'll have to yeah, replace well, him. That, and that's, that's the thing. They're going to have to replace him. Well, they're certainly going to need to shore things up at the back. Um, I think that's uh, a key area for improvement.
0: Yeah, well, it looks like they're already going to do that, Rich. Um, they're on the verge, it looks like, of signing Mohamed Salisu, um, a left footed, left centre half, who's very, very highly rated. I can't profess to have seen too much of him. I, I don't watch La Liga that often. I don't have the time. Um, but he's very, very highly rated. So it looks like they're already doing that one. Um, and they'll need a replacement for Hoiberg, won't they?
1: Yeah, they will. It looks like he's going to be moving on. Um, I don't know if that's a done deal or not yet, but I would have thought he'll he'd be moving on. And that's their problem. That you know that they is moving on to that next level, isn't it? They've got their, their place in the league consistently, um, but they do tend to lose um, their better players uh, fairly regularly. So yeah, I, th- I think sticking with the manager is the first uh, port of call, mate. Um, he, sh- he showed a little bit of what he can do, so I hope they give him um another full season next season. Uh, and ensuring things up at the back, and then probably adding something to the forward line as well, because they've relied quite heavily on Danny Ings this season. Um, I think there's some exciting players there. I mean, Gineppo looks a really exciting player, um, but they're going to have to add something else a bit more. Nathan Redmond, obviously a consistent performer as well, but so they've got they've got the pieces there. They've got they've got the makings yeah. of a really consistent team, and, and to be able to kick on um but then it's it's what what does that mean from here for southampton when we say kick on surely then the next aim is to is to aim for you know potentially a europa league spot i would guess um yeah. but that's that's a tricky one because teams have teams have gambled and tried to do that in the past and then it can it can backfire quite badly so recruitment's going to be key this season i'm not i wouldn't like to say about specific players they'd have to go for but those would be the areas i'd improve mate centre half most definitely but it looks like they're in the process of doing that and then um, a little bit more in terms of variety and flair up front I'm, I'm a big fan of Gineppo let's see what he can do um, he's very erratic but um, on his day he looks like a good player uh, Redmond we know is a consistent performer look just, it, it, they're a good side they're well poised um, if I was a Southampton fan I'd, I'd, I'd you know just hope for the same again next season a comfortable mid-table um, finish and and Hopefully, a cup run and don't lose any more players to Liverpool.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'd agree. I think that Southampton have the potential to be Europa League challengers uh, due to their manager. I think that yeah. Nathan Redmond, I'd love to see him realise his goal scoring and assist potential because it's definitely there. Um, the thing is, Ings, it's unlikely. I mean, he could do but it's unlikely he's going to have another season of that many goals. So those forward players behind him will have to produce more. Um, I think that Bissuma would be a great replacement for Hoiberg. Uh, I think it'd fit in with their high pressing system. Um, so I think he would. Um, he hasn't really, you know, hasn't really had the same opportunities at Brighton, but I think he's a fantastic player there. So I think that would be an interesting signing. And it looks like I think they're going to probably sign Carl Walker Peters for the right back position, which is great to see that he's doing well, finally getting regular first team minutes. So um, no, I think Southampton can push for Europe, Europa League. Um, they've got an outstanding manager. I really do believe that. Um, I think that Hasenhuttl can go right to the very top as a manager. I don't see any reason why he can't. Um, so no, that answers that question. Um, Another question we have had, this one is from, uh, he's at Assault on uh, Twitter. And um, his question is, where would you have expected... Oh, he's actually an old school friend of mine. I didn't realise that. We went to primary school together. So Hal's asked, uh, (laughs) where would you have expected United to finish at the start of the season if I told you Pogba would miss 75% of it?
1: That's a really interesting one. Um, Well, he hasn't missed 75% of the the Premier League season. He's played 16 games. So... um,
0: yeah, yeah, um, but he has missed a large chunk of it. Okay, well let's let's answer the question: Where would we expect Pogba, uh, United to finish if I told you Pogba would miss a large, large
1: chunk of the season? So we're talking about this season just gone. Where they would finish? Where would we? Ex- yeah. Well, I think I think this is where they finished this season. Third is is fantastic for them. If anything, you could argue that's overachieving. So mm. um and that's why I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer deserves deserves some praise. And we but we speak about this all of the time, you know. I think it's hilarious the way that um the fans are so reactionary about managers and coaches and the media so reactionary as well earlier this season Lampard was well well if you remember the start of this season they they beat um Chelsea 4-0, wasn't it? Um yep. you know, so at that time Lampard was out of his depth, blah blah blah. That was what was being said. Um, you know, didn't have the consistency. Pulisic wasn't hitting his form, all of this kind of stuff going on. Um, and now all of a sudden, Lampard's he's got the job done. So now he's going to be heaped with praise. Um, you know, he got the job done, transfer ban, young players. Same for Solskjaer. So there was a period where Solskjaer couldn't do anything wrong. Then it went badly wrong for a while. Oh, the football's stale. He's out of his depth. All of these things. Same again. Then the forward line found their feet. Bruno Fernandes comes in, and this this is what I talk about: managers not getting um, not getting due respect. So um, to finish third for Manchester United with the team they've got, with the squad they've got, with the rebuilding they need to do, is as good as they could have done. There's no way that team can finish above Liverpool. You know, Liverpool is a team that's set is much further along in its development than Manchester United, and there's no way that that team can finish above Man City. So, so to finish third is as good as they could have possibly hoped for. Um, and If you
0: told me at the start of the season, obviously before United had signed Fernandes, that Pogba would miss most of it or a lot of it, um, I would say there's no chance they'll finish in the top four. Because um, yeah, obviously the then- other season, they hadn't signed Fernandes yet, and obviously Pogba missing a large chunk of it. I would say there's no chance of the top four. But they did sign Fernandes, and Pogba fit, and it seems just enough time to coincide with Leicester's downfall. Um, but they wouldn't have had this upturn without Fernandes and I'd even say without uh, Bob getting fit again
1: there's a lot of factors look football's a funny old game as they say Tottenham um, you'd have expected on paper made the Champions League final everything's set but then the noises started coming out that the camp wasn't a happy camp before you know it they're on a a, a, a downward spiral out of control uh, Pochettino's out the door and that's the season written off it's a transitional season so they're you know, they were effectively out of the top four race, you know, a long time ago, realistically. Um, I know they could statistically still made it, but I think, you know, I think they were out of that out of that race realistically for, for a while. Um, so they dropped off. So that opens another spot, if you like, um, to possibly get in there. But yeah, I think I think they've done terrific to come to come third spot. I agree with you. If you just said Pogba would be missing for this amount of time. But that, again, tells you how well Fernandes has done. And... What I'm talking about in terms of the credit is, you know, Solskjaer signed Fernandes. (laughs) So people will say if if they lose three games on the bounce or whatever it might be, or let's say they hadn't have come top four, all of the conversation would have been, well, Solskjaer's out of his depth, he's not done a good job, and all of this. Um, But when we talk about Fernandes, or when people talk about Fernandes, they just say, oh, what a difference he's made, what a brilliant player he's been. I'm like so absolutely no credit at all goes to the manager. Yeah. So yeah. when when Fernandez is good, it's the player. And when the team underperforms, it's the manager. <laughs> and uh yeah, I think I think that's ridiculous. I think hopefully he gets a full season next year. Same with Lampard. Um but I think third was you could argue overachieving is is the absolute best that Manchester United could have hoped to have achieved this season.
0: Yep. Yeah. Agree, agree. That's all we have time for. Um, let us know in, your co- in the comments below. Do you agree with our end of season awards? Do you agree with my team or Richard's team? Or what change would you make? Do you agree with our player of the season, young player of the season, manager of the season and most improved? Let us know in the comments below. All that's left for me to do is say thanks to Richard. Thanks, mate. Thanks to you guys, the listeners. Stay safe. The Premier League season has ended, but it won't be long before the next one restarts. We'll see you soon.